0: From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Stray Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. There are about 80 days until the midterm election. On a party line vote, Congress passed what is likely its last major piece of legislation before the election. The sweeping more than $700 billion tax, health care, and climate bill dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act. Passed on a strictly party line vote. All Democrats voting for it and all Republicans voting against it. It's a whittled down version of the Biden administration's Build Back Better agenda. Republicans call the bill a scam that won't really bring down inflation, but Democrats celebrated and President Biden signed it into law this week, saying the American people won, special interests lost. This bill is the
1: biggest step forward on climate ever, ever, and it's going to allow, it's going to allow us to boldly take additional steps toward meeting all of my climate goals and the ones we set out when we ran.
0: Oregon Senator Ron Wyden wrote key parts of the legislation. He joins us here on Straight Talk to tell us how it will affect Oregonians. And later, we'll talk a little trailblazers and how the Senator's (laughs) working to make sure the team stays in Portland. Welcome to my guest, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden. Welcome back to Straight Talk. It's so nice to have you back here in the studio.
1: Thank you for having me back.
0: Before we get to the Inflation Reduction Act, let's talk about what's been in the news a lot, the unprecedented FBI search of the former presidents Florida home, Mar-a-Lago, where the FBI seized about 11 boxes with documents, some marked classified top secret. Republicans are calling it politically motivated and a government overreach. You've really stood up to government overreach in the past. Here on Straight Talk, we've talked about the NSA collecting American phone records and the FBI searching Americans' communications. Could this be a case of government overreach? What do you think? Laurel, first of all,
1: I'm on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and what I can tell you is that it is gospel back there that if you're someone who cleans one of the government buildings, you're a staff person, you're a member of Congress, you just don't take these classified materials out of the building. And I feel very strongly about ensuring that our people are protected. There are a lot of folks out there who do not wish America and Americans well, and that's why we have these rules.
0: What about his claim that he declassified those documents before he left?
1: Well, certainly there's already a a back and forth, but I just don't know of any kind of precedents that come to mind. And what we saw is already people in government have said that's not the case.
0: And as a result of the search, some Republicans, including some Republican candidates in the Pacific Northwest are calling for the FBI to be defunded, what do you think of that?
1: Well, I've been struck by the fact that there are some members of Congress who have close friends in the FBI. And they've been saying, we want you to know we don't agree with these ideas like getting rid of the Espionage Act or having no FBI.
0: The Inflation Reduction Act, let's go to that. I know it was exhausting, a process, to try to keep Democrats unified to get this legislation across the finish line. How would you describe what the process was like?
1: It was exhilarating, and I noted you just had the president on, uh, on your tape um, signing the bill. At that time, I was at the pharmacy in Medford on West Main Street And I was telling the seniors there that there was a dose of good news, a big dose of good news for thousands of senior citizens in Southern Oregon, hundreds of thousands across the state, because they were going to get a fair shake finally for their medicine. And what the bill did, and I'm to a great extent the architect of the legislation, is it finally lifted this ridiculous restriction that prohibited medicare from negotiating to hold down the cost of medicine big pharma guarded that restriction like it was the holy grail i called the restriction a curse now it's been lifted it is a seismic shift in the relationship between oregon seniors and big pharma and it's long overdue.
0: Well, there are only 10 drugs right now that are affected and there are a lot of drugs that seniors take. And I've heard seniors complain or lament that it doesn't start until 2026. That's a long time to wait, why not sooner?
1: First of all, one of the really important provisions starts in a couple of months. And that's the provision I wrote that said if the big pharmaceutical companies raise their prices more than inflation, they're gonna pay a penalty. So this would mean for the first time, first time since Medicare began in 65, there would actually be consequences for big pharma price gouging. That sends a pretty powerful message and the process of negotiation, that really begins very soon and we're going to start with the most expensive drugs the cancer drugs and the arthritis drugs.
0: You've said that you expect big pharma to fight this in, in courts and in the legislature. Do you think this legislation can stand up to that fight?
1: I do. You know, we've been working on this for quite some time. In fact, a big chunk of this year's bill came from our bipartisan work, where for example, we got the first cap on out-of-pocket costs for senior citizens in Oregon and around the country. So Uh, anti-price gouging, a cap on out-of-pocket expenses, and finally, the big pharmaceutical companies would have to do what everybody else on the planet does, and that's negotiate.
0: I want to zero in on the inflation part, since it's called Inflation Reduction Act. And Republicans aren't buying it. As I said at the top, not one of them voted for it. And there are some nonpartisan analysts, including the Penn Wharton budget model from the University of Pennsylvania Business School, that says this is really going to do little, if anything, to bring down inflation. It says 0.1% by the middle of the next decade, which they say statistically is no different than zero. Does this really bring down inflation, as it says?
1: This cuts costs. And fundamentally, what the Congress can do that really helps the fight against inflation, it's going to cut costs. For example, we're going to start capping insulin very soon. Thousands of Oregonians depend on insulin. Insulin has just been a price ripoff. The prices have gone up year after year after year. And insulin is no different than it was decades ago. People are going to see those price reductions. They're going to see the price reductions in their energy bills. They're going to see, as a result of the fact that we're starting to go after these uh, wealthy uh, executives, they're not going to be able to buy back their stock. We're going to have an opportunity to reduce the deficit. You reduce the federal deficit, you have an opportunity to cut borrowing costs for homeowners and people buying cars and that kind of thing.
0: So it doesn't specifically bring down inflation, but bring down costs that you say would eventually bring down inflation. There is inflation. no question
1: in my mind that when you cut costs, that is synonymous with the effort to help in fighting inflation. Now, there are other pieces to the puzzle. Obviously, the supply uh, chain situation is very serious. But I know I was just at Fred Meyer down the street from the station. People said, I'm glad you're uh, beginning this big push to cut uh, pharmaceutical costs because... Pharma has never lost. The gospel in Washington DC is big pharma doesn't lose. This time, Oregon seniors and folks across the country beat Big Pharma.
0: You've mentioned energy costs, so let's, let's focus on that. And I know that this is dear to you because you've done the Clean Energy for America, you've worked on that legislation for years, that you're, so you're a key architect for this part as well. It reforms the energy tax code. How exactly is that going to bring down energy costs for Oregonians, and how is it going to fight climate change?
1: Well, what we know is that in the past, we have just kind of thrown money at this whole issue, and there have been mandates and sticks and the like. Now what I'm doing is creating a competitive system. It's market-oriented. This is the kind of thing Republicans used to say they were for. It's market-oriented, and there's going to be competition. So that's why independent experts like the Rhodium Group say that families are going to save 500 bucks the market system, which, by the way, gives folks in nuclear and hydrogen and carbon capture, it gives them all a chance to compete. In the past, one of the reasons that prices were so high is that government just was picking winners and and losers. Now we're going to a market-oriented system that's gonna save
0: money. And you have said that this is uh, one of the most consequential pieces of legislation in your entire Senate career. That's, That's a lot, that's saying something. It is, Laurel, the
1: biggest investment in fighting climate in American history. And what happened was the last time there was an effort to deal with climate change was 2009 and 2010, and I said, this is never gonna work. There are too many mandates, there are too many sticks. What we need to do is create a market-oriented kind of system. And I started talking about it shortly after uh, 2011. Uh, Joe Manchin invited me to West Virginia. He liked the idea of being technologically neutral. He thought that was different. And we just continued to build support. And now solar and wind and all of the alternatives are going to have a chance to compete with uh, things like uh, hydrogen.
0: One of the complaints that that some have, critics have, about this bill is the component that deals with the IRS, that there's going to be $80 billion given to the IRS and part of it will be used to hire thousands of agents to audit. Republicans are saying they won't just go after the wealthy tax cheats, but also middle-class American workers, taxpayers. How can you guarantee that they're not going to go after middle-class Americans?
1: Let's set the record straight on what they actually said. One of the senior Republicans, one of the most senior influential Republicans, said there were going to be all these enforcement agents coming in with assault weapons. And the criminal division said, no way are we going to do something like that. Here's why we're focused on wealthy tax cheats. All the people who work at this station pay their taxes with every single paycheck. Nurses, firefighters, the folks who work at this uh, station, they pay taxes. Um, with every single paycheck. So they're not the issue. But these wealthy tax cheats go to their accountants and say, you know, I don't pay my taxes that way. Help me exploit all of these uh, strategies for avoidance. That's why a number of billionaires have been able to pay little or no taxes for years on end because they tell their accountant, don't give me a wage, I'll just live by, Borrowing against my holdings and they're vast and they can have a great lifestyle.
0: Well, I think Americans wouldn't mind if the agents just went after those people, but are, can you guarantee they're not going to go well, after with thousands of new agents after what, average what, taxpayers? What the
1: people are fo- mostly going to focus on is updating the computers and dealing with refunds and the like. But they have said, and as chairman of the finance committee, I'm going to be watchdogging this every step of the way. So if I see any evidence, for example, what uh, a couple of these senior Republicans falsely said that there are going to be all these people with assault weapons you know, coming in. You better believe I'm going to uh, get that changed. But the fact is, the working person, the government already has all their tax information, just like the people at the station. They don't have it on the wealthy tax sheets.
0: Another big piece of legislation that passed Congress and that the uh, president signed into law last month is the Chips and Science Act. And not only are you the chair of the the Finance Committee, but you're also the co-chair of Oregon Semiconductor Task Force. And you released a big report this week about how Oregon can strategize to uh, bring in more semiconductor business into the state. What's the upshot of that report? And and how is the CHIPS Act going to help Oregon? The,
1: The CHIPS Act, plus what's being done at the state level, constitutes a battle plan For us to keep the good jobs we have in semiconductors, and we have one of the largest state uh, levels of percentage of people working in this this field, and they're good-paying jobs, and then go get some more. And the report yesterday, and my legislation that passed, I wrote the provision that provides billions of dollars for manufacturing, dovetails very nicely one of the recommendations that was made by the um, state folks is to have larger plots of land available for manufacturing sites. We're already known for our research and development. Now we've got to have more manufacturing to complement it. My legislation gives me a chance to work with the state on getting those additional manufacturing jobs in semiconductors in Oregon in addition to what we're uh, known for, which is our worldwide quality
0: research and development. One of the big obstacles I was reading about is having land that, that works for these companies. How big of an obstacle is that?
1: That's what I was touching on. The state report, you know, talked about setting aside two plots of land that would be large enough for significant manufacturing. I'll be working with the state officials so that as they go forward with that, my legislation that provides billions of dollars in investment tax credits for those operations will dovetail.
0: Now, critics say that this legislation disproportionately benefits Intel over other U.S. chip companies.
1: What it do you doesn't. It, it benefits anybody who's gonna be part of developing what we use every single day from the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night. We use semiconductors on everything. And uh, I was just over at Stark Vacuum Cleaners and they were showing me how it used to be with the old vacuum cleaners. They have a kind of museum. The old vacuum cleaners didn't use much uh, technology. Now they have robots and it's all technology.
0: I know that museum at Stark's is a really fascinating to go see. Let me go back to taxes for a second, because you say that the broken tax code is benefiting big oil while Americans are paying exorbitant prices at the gas pump, big oil is profiting. And you have some legislation called something like taxing big oil profiteers, what's that going to do?
1: Well, what, what it's gonna do again is provide accountability and the opportunity to give these companies, when they're doing the right thing, the chance to see the government is saying, fine, if these um, big oil companies, we we'll just talk about the biggest, you know, invest in being more efficient and production and workers and the like, that for that, the tax man doesn't cometh. But if they go over a 10% kind of figure and they're not making those, those investments and they're just buying back stock from, for their wealthy stockholders and if they're manipulating the accounting rules, then you'll see it. And the best comment about the whole thing was one of the farmers uh, in central Oregon, because I announced it in rural Oregon because they drive such long distances, they get creamed with, with prices. He said, Huh, Ron's idea, going after the stock buybacks and going after the accounting manipulation, doesn't kick in until after a 10% profit. Farmer just said, and all the TV and media people reported it, said, I can only imagine making a 10% profit. <laughs>
0: I want to touch on Roe v. Wade before we go to a break and uh, new restrictions on abortion. And You're concerned about protecting women's reproductive health data through things like apps, searches on websites that could be used to target women, and you have some legislation to try to protect their privacy. What would it do?
1: Well, My Body, My Data does just that. It directs the Federal Trade Commission to protect uh, women who otherwise would have their personal data weaponized. There are two parts to this equation. One, I think it's critical to write roe versus wade into black letter law and make it clear in every part of the country every part because we can't have these national bans, which some of the people in dc you know want every part of the country this is a woman's decision and second i do think we've got to make sure that and it won't just be the states that uh, different than oregon are going to try to walk back protections for women there are these data brokers now who there are no rules at all, and they're buying up women's information and everybody else's, and I think it's wrong.
0: Senator, we're going to change gears for our next segment because I know you're a huge (laughs) basketball fan and Trailblazers fan, and you're working hard to try to make sure the Blazers stay in Portland. We're going to talk basketball right after the break. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter, and we're talking with Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, one of the biggest basketball fans on the planet. (laughs) Senator Wyden earned a basketball scholarship from the University of California at Santa Barbara. He's been a Trailblazers (laughs) fan for five decades, and he's determined that they're going to stay in Portland. Welcome back to my guest, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden. Love those photos. Love those blazers. (laughs) Yes, well, before we get to that, I just want to get an update on the wildfire situation because we're going through another heat wave. We expect possibly another one before the end of the summer. Where are we on wildfire prevention? So
1: far, Laurel, it hasn't been as bad as um, we feared, but you're right. We've still got a long way to go. I was in rural Jackson County uh, a couple of days ago, and there are two points. One, we're starting to get the pay up for these firefighters, that is so overdue, and that's so essential to getting more folks in the workforce. Second, the improvements in technology, and we've made uh, some real additions with the bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill and the like, is really gonna pay off. We're starting to see, as I saw in, uh, in Southern Oregon, a smoke alert system. It's kind of like a smoke alarm for the outdoors. It's wow. a Uh, preventive kind of system, early warning system. I think the combination of the professionalism that we're seeing as there is an indication that there'll be higher pay plus the technology is a good one-two punch for uh, additional safety for Oregonians outdoors.
0: And we'll keep our fingers crossed that the wildfire season doesn't get any worse this season. As we move to talk about basketball, I wanna get the latest on Brittany Griner, the WNBA star who's in prison in Russia. She's been sentenced to nine years behind bars there. She was arrested at a Moscow airport accused of carrying less than one gram of cannabis oil in her luggage. She was there to compete during her WNBA offseason. What do you make of her arrest and conviction? Is she being used as a political pawn here?
1: Oh, I don't think there's there's any question, but that this is a human rights issue and, and an important one, and it reflects the the politics of uh, of uh, the Russian-Ukraine conflict. There's no question in my mind. Uh, uh, there are uh, folks uh, that are close to Ms. Greiner who have uh, have people in Oregon that they're close to, and they. In a sense, uh, asked me to lead an effort in the Senate. I'm the principal sponsor of the resolution supporting her. I recruited John Cornyn, a Republican of Texas, the Arizona senator. She played at Baylor played at Arizona, and uh, I think we all just just hope that Putin will allow her to come home uh, to her family. She's apologized. She's you know made it clear that uh, uh, she
0: uh, is contrite. Are you optimistic?
1: I think that there are going to be negotiations. I, I just. I think it's so important for Putin to stop using Ms. Greiner as kind of you know a political weapon. Trailblazers.
0: Didn't have the greatest season this last year, but we're all looking towards the next season. And dang, you want to back. Dirk is <laughs> yeah, helping. We're on our way. Um, I know you're looking ahead to hope they have a lot more winning seasons here at home. How concerned are you about the possibility they could be sold and moved out of Portland?
1: Well, of course, it was very good news when Phil Knight indicated that uh, he wanted uh, the team. He yeah. wants them to stay. I've had many conversations with him over the years about about the importance. And uh, of course, I've known Adam Silver for years, the commissioner of the N- NBA. He was an intern for less a coin uh, so you go for, way back we go way way back and he's, he's very funny at one point I said he was an intern for uh, less and uh, he sent me a little note I got upgraded I became a legislative counsel I said that's gone.
0: <laughs> I'll get that so right.
1: right the point point is he understands how important it is that we keep the blazers you know here and I also think that Uh, Having a WNBA franchise would just be a slam dunk. And you know, yesterday I was at the Sports Bra over on Broadway, the you know the wonderful you know restaurant where you can see sports pretty much 24/7. We love that focus on women's sports. It's just so so great. And I was saying to the people who were sitting next to me, what would you think about this city if we were sitting here and folks were getting ready to go to a WNBA playoff game at Moda? I mean, it would pump a lot of money into the city. Be something really to be excited about and it would be good for the Blazers because you'd have 18 additional games at Moda in the summer so that helped budgets and stuff.
0: Do you think that might happen? Well, i am T-? sure
1: made the case to Adam Silver that it would make a lot of sense. I'm not going to get into kind of pri- private conversations but you know there are a lot of women and others who are very interested in being part of this effort in Oregon.
0: And what are the chances do you think that Phil Knight would buy the team? We
1: were thrilled, we were thrilled. We made a, a very real, um, you know, offer. And uh, you know, my, my hope is that Ms. Allen, uh, sister of uh, late Paul Allen, will just move to resolve this quickly. And I want Oregonians to know, <laughs> the chairman of the finance committee and a big fan, I'm not gonna let, uh, Uh, Portland experienced what happened in Seattle where the team just pulled out overnight.
0: Well, there are a lot of billionaires who would love to, to get a team, aren't there?
1: There there certainly are. And look, you know, Phil Phil Knight has been involved in promoting Oregon sports and philanthropy for years and years. And it was really encouraging uh, uh, news when he stepped up.
0: Well, let's talk about the Trailblazers prospects because uh, (laughs) they're not getting any respect. I I heard Orlando Sanchez say yesterday that Vegas is saying, I think they have 82 games, predicting they would only win 39 and a half of the games. What do you think?
1: I'm encouraged. We We got Damon Nurk healthy. We got uh, some big people up, up front. I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I think the Blazers are going to make some noise this year. I, I, uh, I got asked about predictions. I said, I'm like, Yogi Berra, I don't do predictions, especially about the future. But I'm feeling good about the Blazers, and they're going to make some noise.
0: How about the number seven pick, Shaden Sharp? Are, are you encouraged he well, could be got, an asset? He got, he got
1: hurt Which is too bad. in I know. the summer, summer league, but uh, people say
0: he's good. Now, Senator, we have about uh, maybe four. 45 seconds left. I'd love to leave you with a final comment you'd like to leave with viewers.
1: No, I, I just think it's so important that we have local journalism. You know, we've been trying to promote local journalism in uh, the Congress. We've lost a lot of our uh, local outlets, newspapers and local broadcasts. You've been asking about real issues and uh, and thanks uh, to everybody uh, in Oregon who's doing local journalism.
0: Well, Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, we really appreciate you being on here. I have just a little bit of time left. Where is the cannabis legislation right now to, to legalize cannabis? We're
1: making progress, and we've got to get safe banking done. That is so important because it's a real criminal risk to not
0: have it. Thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Talk. Now that we are like doing things live and in person again, we hope you come back we'll really do it again. soon. And thank you for watching Straight Talk. We hope you'll join me next week when our guest is Portland City Commissioner Dan Ryan. He'll weigh in on the Charter Commission uh, deciding what we will be voting on in November about changing Portland's form of government. We'll talk about that. Also, we want to let you know that Straight Talk is now available as a podcast. All you have to do is search for KGW Straight Talk wherever you get your podcast and we have a QR code that you can just point your phone's camera at, and it'll take you to a link where you can download this our uh, podcast, KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. We hope you have a great week.